Good morning. It's Tuesday, July 6th. I'm Duarte Geraldino. Shemitah Basu is off. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Let's start with a quick look at the condo collapse in Florida. CNN is reporting on how the weather is making the search effort more urgent. Tropical Storm Elsa is threatening to bring rain and possible tornadoes. Weather conditions like that could make it harder to look for the more than 100 people who are still unaccounted for. The search slowed down over the weekend so that part of the building that was still standing could be demolished. Engineers worried strong winds could have blown it over and injured search crews. After the demolition, workers were able to access new areas of the site, and they found the remains of four more victims. There's going to be updated coverage throughout the day on the Apple News app. When a natural disaster hits the U.S., survivors often turn to FEMA for help. But some of the most vulnerable people may not be getting as much help as you might think. NPR is reporting on FEMA data which shows low-income people in the U.S. are less likely to get government disaster aid than wealthier survivors. NPR spoke with Donnie Spite. She and her late husband, Stephen, were living in a mobile home in Louisiana when a Category 4 hurricane struck last year. The storm knocked out the power. It sent a tree through their ceiling. When they asked FEMA for help, they were able to get a generator to power the medical devices Stephen needed, but they didn't have enough FEMA money left over to fix the roof. And every time it rained, water leaked through the hole in their ceiling. And it rains a lot down there. Their story highlights a much larger issue. NPR got internal data from FEMA. It shows homeowners with the lowest incomes got about half as much financial assistance compared with higher-income homeowners. And before you start thinking it costs more money to repair more expensive homes, just don't do it. Researchers shut down that line of reasoning. They say differences in repair costs do not account for this disparity. Plus, NPR found FEMA was about twice as likely to deny housing assistance to lower-income disaster survivors because the damage was deemed not extensive enough. FEMA's not been tracking whether there are racial disparities, but there is separate research in this area. NPR cites one study that found, after Hurricane Harvey, survivors from neighborhoods with more people of color were less likely to get FEMA assistance than survivors in wider, wealthier areas. One FEMA assistant administrator tells NPR, the agency recognizes it has more work to do to make sure its support is equitable, as climate change drives more extreme disasters, more people of all income levels and races, they're going to need the agency's help. The Biden administration is going to review thousands of deportations. This is a highly unusual move, and it could bring back people who were removed during the Trump administration. A new report from the Marshall Project and Politico explains, undoing deportations usually involves tough legal battles. People are only rarely led back into the U.S. Prize-winning immigration reporter Julia Preston did some digging. She's reporting that the Biden administration has been quietly preparing to review thousands of cases. The Department of Homeland Security says some of the moves under the Trump presidency, quote, failed to live up to our highest values. Preston introduces us to one family who's hoping the Biden administration could reunite them. Georgia resident Jason Rochester and his wife, Cecilia Gonzalez Carmona, they're married with a kid. She was undocumented, and back in 2018, a lawyer advised her to go back to Mexico. 
She had no criminal record, and the thinking was she'd be allowed to re-enter the U.S. with legal papers. It turned out to be bad advice. Ever since then, the family's been fighting for her to be allowed to come back to the U.S., and they haven't had much luck. Their appeals were not granted, even while their son was being treated for cancer. They're hoping they'll meet the Biden administration's criteria. As one senior immigration official puts it, the goal is to bring back people who shouldn't have been removed in the first place. Last year was a surprisingly good one for black entrepreneurs. According to one study, there was a higher proportion of new black-owned businesses than at any point in the past quarter century. The LA Times explains, this startup surge in part reflects the heavier toll the pandemic had on black communities. Many of the new black-owned businesses are what's called necessity startups. These are businesses open because someone was laid off or their income was cut. Here's the thing though. Necessity startups have a higher rate of failure than what are called opportunity startups. The LA Times spoke with a bank executive and others who work with black-owned businesses, and they're optimistic. They say black entrepreneurs are well-positioned to take advantage of the ways the pandemic has moved people online. That, plus the promising economic recovery so far, gives them hope that many of the new black-owned startups, they're going to survive and thrive. After the murder of George Floyd and the racial justice uprisings, several big banks and corporations pledged huge sums of money to support black communities. But nearly a year later, the LA Times is reporting only a fraction of the tens of billions of dollars pledged has been spent. The more people get vaccinated, the more we can do what we enjoyed doing before the pandemic. For some, that was getting dressed up and heading into a concert hall for a night out at the orchestra. That's Aaron Copeland's Quiet City. The trumpet literally takes center stage. The problem is, the trumpet can be a coronavirus super spreader. It typically releases about 2,500 particles per liter of air. That's more than six times the second highest emitter, the oboe. Smithsonian Magazine looks at new research on how to rearrange orchestras to reduce the spread of droplets. University of Utah engineers collaborated with their local symphony. The challenge is obvious. People on strings and percussion can wear masks, but other players, they need to use their mouths. The team used high-power computer simulations of airflow to evaluate various seating arrangements. The ideal placement moved the highest-emitting instruments close to vents, opening doors and windows where possible. The computer model says this could reduce the probability of infection by a factor of 100. By the way, the Utah Symphony, they use that new seating arrangement during spring performances. It seems a collaboration between art and science found a way to help the show go on more safely. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're there, check out some of our audio stories. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.